doing today? Give the Lord a big clap of praise. He's good. If you love God, put your hands together and say, Lord, we love you. We praise you. Come on. God is good. I want to welcome everyone here into the house today. If you're, if you're with us online, we're so glad that you're here. I want, to, I want to give a quick shout out to the worship team. Not only do they lead us here in the 10 o'clock service, but they also lead worship for us in the 8.30. And uh, we, we, we appreciate all of the work that goes in from our worship team. Come on, let's give them a big round of applause. Always doing a good job. Always doing a good job. Everyone that serves and volunteers uh, your time to, to, to make Elevate Ministries what it is, I just want to stop and thank you. Uh, you are such a blessing, a blessing. Amen. Uh, this morning, if you've come and you want to give a tithe or an offering, you want to give to the Lord, very easy to do that. I'll just give you... just. Just mention how that's done here at Elevate Ministries. There's envelopes under the chairs. If you're giving with cash or check, just go ahead and fill out that envelope. And then on your way out this morning, there's giving boxes at each exit. You can just drop your envelope in there. And uh, that's one way you can do it. You can also give securely online. You can do that two ways. You can give via our app. If you download the Elevate Ministries app, you, you, can, you can give right there very easily. Or you can, you can text to give. And how you do that is you text EZ123 to 77977, and then just follow those prompts, and uh, you, can, you can give safely and securely that way. We appreciate, appreciate every person, every financial gift. I want to tell you how much we appreciate it. Uh, it goes so far in, in reaching our world for Christ. Amen. We're going to let our children go to Sunday school this morning, and uh, we're going to give them a big round of applause as they go. we got the greatest kids in the world here at Elevate Ministries, and we love them all so very, very much. Amen. Amen. I, I do want to report to you that, that we saw at our campuses last week, Easter Sunday, we saw at our campuses awesome growth. I want, I want to report that in, in Albuquerque, our campus in New Mexico, uh, they had the largest Easter attendance they've ever experienced. And so we give the Lord praise for that. They had 140 people in church on Easter Sunday. That's amazing. Then at our Fullerton campus, Pastor Carl's at our Fullerton campus this morning. He's preaching there. Uh, last week, we're seeing some growth happening out of that campus, and uh, it's, it's really exciting to see all that God is doing uh, at all of our campuses. And last, last Sunday, wasn't it great to be here Easter Sunday and, and just see what God's doing in our midst? I just, I just, I'm just so grateful for, for God. I'm so grateful for our church. There's nothing better than gathering together in person with people that love God. Can somebody shout amen? Amen. So we've been in, the, in, in a series over the last little while, with, over the past six weeks, and we've been talking about Jesus culture. And we really were trying to prelude our way toward Easter, talking about a culture that Jesus established on his way to the cross. Because we know that Jesus, his main purpose was to change and save the world. That's why he came. He did that with, with what he did on the cross. But along the way, there were so many things that Jesus did. The Bible says that if, if, if everything Jesus did was recorded, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to say all the things that Jesus did. So, so much that Jesus did, so much that he accomplished. And literally, I believe that every detail of his life, Jesus was, was, was intentionally creating culture. 
He was setting an example of what, of what a, a following of Jesus would look like, what the culture of his believers would be. And, and, and we know he did this in everything that he did. So he performed miracles. We talked about how Jesus opened blind eyes. We talked about, we, we talked about how he, 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 he provided um, um, food for the multitudes. We talked about how he turned water into wine. And each one of these miracles, as, as amazing as they were on their own, Jesus was also... He was, he was establishing culture in the miracles that he decided to perform. When he, when, when he opened blind eyes, I, I believe he was, he was sharing with us that, that we're gonna be people of vision, that our lives were meant to be with vision, that we weren't meant to walk around blind, but he wants to give us vision for our lives. How many believe that? I believe when Jesus provided food for the multitudes, he was, he was telling us that, that also, although sometimes the need is greater than the resources, that, that, shouldn't, that shouldn't scare us off because, because God is a provider. How many believe he's a provider? And he will provide for the vision. He'll provide for the need in front of us. I believe that, that when he turned water into wine, that was his very first miracle. I believe Jesus was prioritizing that, that your life is worth celebrating. That, 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 that a party for you shouldn't be cut short. And so, so I believe that that's what he was saying. And we talked, the week later, we talked about the, the parables that Jesus told, that they were, they were stories. And when he, would, when he would minister to people, he would oftentimes share stories. And one of his most famous, famous stories was the prodigal son. And he, and he shares about how, how a son comes home and, and the father immediately goes to a lost son and, and he provides the son with certain things. We know that, that, that immediately the, the son, he, he exchanged a robe, a pig slopped robe with a brand new, the finest robe, the Bible says. And, and I think the reason Jesus says that is because in the house of God, when you come home, when God brings you into his house, he takes away your pig slopped or your sin stained garments and he puts on you a robe of righteousness. Aren't you grateful for that? The Bible says that the, that the father also gave the son a ring, and we, 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 we established that that ring would allow the son to have the same authority as the father, so he could purchase in the father's name. He could sell in the father's name, and it's the same with us. When we come into the house of the Lord, God gives us authority. Jesus has all authority on heaven and on earth, and he, he's given it to us, amen. And so he's given us authority. We have the ability to trample on, 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 on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy enemy. Come on, nothing shall harm us. That's the authority that God's given us. He also placed sandals on his son's feet. What was he saying to his son? Son, you're going to have purpose in your life. You're not just going to sit around. You're, you're not done. Your life is far from over. I'm going to, I'm going to cause you to move forward in your life. He put sandals on his feet. And then we know the best part is he killed the fatted calf. He had some carne asada. Come on, big barbecue. What was he saying? He's saying, we're going to celebrate. When, when somebody comes home, we're going to celebrate. And that's what we do here every Sunday. I love the fact that we come in here. We turn the lights on. It looks like a party because it is a party, all right? We're celebrating what God's done in our lives that we were lost and now we're found. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Pastor Carl followed up on the week later. He talked about that our weakness is actually strength in the culture of Jesus. His grace is made perfect in our weakness. And so you say, well, I can't do this and I'm not good at that and, and I'm not, you know, I, I don't know how to do. Listen, don't worry about the, the areas where you fall short because God comes in and fills in the gaps. That's what he does. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. So today I want to kind of continue on uh, with this thought and with this series the Jesus culture, uh, because I, I, because I'm just having fun with it. I don't feel like we're done with it yet. That's the, that's just the bottom line. And and uh, so we're talking today. Spent a lot of time thinking about the cross 
and the resurrection as we prepared for Easter, and I noticed that there were several statements that Jesus made while on the cross. Now, I don't know about you, but that'd be difficult. It'd be difficult to create culture in that type of, of, of scenario, in that type of atmosphere, but, but Jesus, even in death, in the hardest day of his life, the worst pain he's ever experienced, even in that, Jesus was creating culture. He was communicating a culture to us. It was so powerful that in Mark chapter 15, the Bible says that a centurion, a Roman centurion who stood there in front of Jesus, when he saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Now, just look at that statement for a moment. A lot of times we can read that and, and just kind of gloss over, but I want you to think about this. He was a Roman centurion. This is a man that had no knowledge of God's word. He wasn't raised in, in Judaism. He wasn't, he wasn't raised worshiping God. He was, he was, this guy was raised uh, worshiping Zeus, right? He was, he was raised worship, worshiping Apollo or Artemis. This is, this is the, the, the gods that he worshiped. He knows nothing about the God of the Bible. He doesn't know about the Ten Commandments. He doesn't have background in the children of Israel. He, he's never learned from the high priest. He has no idea about the Passover that's being celebrated at the hour of Jesus' death. He, he doesn't know anything about a promised Messiah that's coming. No idea any of that. And, and so here's this Roman centurion. All he is is an executor. Like, like his job is to kill people. He's probably really good at it. His, his job is to make sure that when a judge sentences a man to, to capital punishment, his job is to put him up on the cross alive and make sure when they come down, they're dead. Are you guys okay this morning? He does this every day. He's probably done this to thousands of criminals. He executes criminals, he's good at it, he does it every single day. Now the thing is, is when you do something every single day, like your job, all right, when you do it every single day, sometimes it becomes so routine you don't even think about it anymore. You know what I'm talking about. You're just kind of going through the motions and it's easy when you do something so often, it's easy to disengage from it. Jesus was just another guy to him. It was just another execution. He's, he's seen thousands of criminals crucified. He, he's, he's witnessed it, and, but, he, but here, what he saw, what he experienced with Jesus was, he was so moved, he was so rocked to the core by what he saw that he confesses that this must be the Son of God. Now, I'm sure a lot of times, I think if it was us and we were being put on a cross and, and we were being whipped and beaten and, 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 and scarred and spit on, I'm sure the, the, the you know, the, the kind of the, we walk into church and we can hide our junk. Some of you came here this morning, you had an argument with your wife on the way to church, you know, you're yelling at each other, you're all upset. But as soon as you get here, you're like, hey, brother, praise God, how's it going? We have a good way of kind of like being able to kind of cover up even, even sometimes when it's not going so well. We're able to kind of like muscle up and just kind of, and just kind of get through it most of the time. You can hide most of your junk. But, but when you're getting nailed to the cross, I'm sure your junk just kind of comes out. Like it's not time to just kind of hide it at that moment. Chances are what's underneath is gonna come out when they're nailing you to a cross. You know what I'm talking about. Like when they're putting a nail in your wrist, 
when, when every breath you're taking might be your last, the layers probably peel back a little bit. You're probably seeing the real person at that moment. And I'm sure this executor, everybody that he's executed up to this point, when he's doing it, they're cursing at him, they're screaming at him, they're, 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 they're cussing at him. And, and, and so that's what he's experienced this whole time. Now, I'm sure people were thinking, it's, it's probably hard for Jesus to kind of maintain the whole son of God thing when you're being crucified. Like it's one thing to be the son of God up on the mountaintop and everybody's just excited to hear you speak. But it's entirely different to be able to continue to do that when you're being crucified, right? Are you following what I'm saying today? But there's, so this Roman centurion, there's something about the way Jesus dies that causes this man to declare from his mouth, this must be the son of God. It was a culture, it was different. It was a culture that Jesus was creating even on the cross. And I wanna talk about that this morning in three areas three different areas and three different, different statements that Jesus made on the cross. The first one was in Luke 23, 34. Jesus makes the statement, he says this. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I've, I've thought about what was happening when Jesus said this. Because a lot of times we, we look at that and we know that Jesus is talking about our, us. He's talking about future sins. He's talking about our past sins. He's talking about the sins of the world. But what Jesus was experiencing right then and there, it, 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 it's kind of important. Because the Bible says that right then and there, what was happening is, is these Roman centurions were, were basically using the Roman eBay to, to gamble for Jesus' coat. That's what's going on. They basically were bartering. They were casting lots, the Bible says. They were, they were, they were um, gambling for Jesus' clothes. Now what Jesus had to offer that day um, was a seamless coat. And so that coat would have been valuable. It would have had some value to it. It's probably the only thing that Jesus had at the time that had any value to it. And so these, this Roman, this wasn't, this wasn't like weird practice. This is kind of how these centurions would kind of line their pockets is they basically get the stuff of the, of the criminals that they were crucifying. They were basically getting it, lining their pockets with it because these guys weren't gonna need it. They're no longer gonna need that stuff. And so they were profiting off of the death of people. And so just kind of picture this happening. Jesus is on the cross, nails through his hands and his feet, crown of thorns on his head. And these guys are, are, are gambling and laughing, mocking, and they're, they're, they're doing this with his, with his, with his seamless coat. And, 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 and here's Jesus, he looks at them in this moment. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, I want to point out something. These guys weren't asking for forgiveness. Let me say something else. They didn't deserve forgiveness. They, 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 they aren't showing any remorse. They, they're, they're not showing any remorse for what they're doing. And Jesus is forgiving. He's not forgiving them. No, it wasn't an act he was doing. It was who he was. It was a culture that was part of Jesus' life. He is forgiving, and he's establishing that as a culture, a culture of forgiveness. Aren't you grateful today that Jesus is the forgiveness of our sins? Romans 10 says that all who put their faith in him will not be put to shame. What that means is, is God's not remembering our past. He's not gonna bring it back up. He's not gonna make you feel guilty for what you've done because there's a culture that Jesus is establishing on the cross, a culture of forgiveness. Now, I wanna mention today that the greatest kryptonite to your life is unforgiveness. It's unforgiveness. The thing that's gonna destroy your potential, 
that's gonna destroy your relationships more than anything else is unforgiveness. Jesus is establishing a culture of forgiveness because he knows how much unforgiveness can ruin your life. Are you with me? So the, the truth is, is when we receive his forgiveness, it allows us to be able to release forgiveness to someone else. So we receive forgiveness from God, we can give forgiveness to someone else, amen. And so the example we're seeing from Jesus is these people aren't asking and they're not, they're not deserving, but Jesus is still operating in forgiveness. Now, I can't tell you how many different relationships, I've been pastoring for over 25 years, I've seen marriages, I've seen friendships, uh, relationships destroyed because of unforgiveness. I've seen it over and over and over again. And the reason is, is because what we have, what we do, is we have this little, this little vault. It's a vault that we keep in our emotions, we keep it in our mind, it's a little fault of all the things that people have done wrong to us. And whenever someone offends us, whenever someone wrongs us, we take that offense and we store it in that little vault. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Is it only me? Like, I, I have this little vault. I can remember the little offenses and the little wrongs that someone has done. Now, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love, when it talks about what love is and what love is like, it says love keeps no record of wrongs. But we have the natural tendency to have this little vault. Anytime someone wrongs us, says something about us, offends us, we just kind of store it in the vault. The problem is, is when that person offends us again, we blow up. And the reason is, is because it's easy to kind of go back through the Rolodex of their former failures and their former offenses, and we add them all up. And what happens is we've got this spewing bitter heart that kind of happens inside of us. You know what I'm talking about? You can't keep records of wrongs, but we do it all the time. We do it with our spouses. If you're keeping a record of everything your spouse says, does, nuance that they participate in, anything, if you're keeping a record of that, you're not operating in love. If you find yourself bitter and on edge and upset and you fly off the, off the handle easy, the reason is, the reason you're lashing out the way you are is because we haven't forgiven. Are you hearing me today? And so we've gotta to learn to let it go because you can't live with unforgiveness. It'll destroy your life. Unforgiveness is like <laughs> daughters, I didn't know them. <laughs> I didn't have to teach them to, to lie. I didn't have to teach them to steal. I didn't have to teach them to be selfish. They just were that way. It, it, just, it, it, just, it just happened. That's just, I didn't have to teach them to do any of that. It just came naturally. What I had to teach them is how to do something right. I had to teach them how to, how to not be selfish, how to not steal, how to not lie. And so our tendency, our natural tendency, it leans toward, toward, toward sin, not towards doing what's right. And so in life, because of that, we're gonna get hurt. We're, we're gonna get offended. They're gonna hurt you, offend you, violate you. People are gonna do the wrong thing. And our, our, our job, the culture of Jesus, is to forgive. And guess what? We do it before they ask and before they deserve it. It's a culture of forgiveness, it's so hard to do. Because let me talk to you about how unforgiveness works. The Bible says that there's, the Bible teaches us that there's power in agreement. We know that when we, when we come together, two or three gathered in his name, there he is in the midst. There's power in agreement. Where there's alignment, there's power, power flows. It works for good in the spiritual realm. 
But it works for bad in the, in, in, the, in the secular realm, in the worldly realm, in the flesh. It works for terrible. What unforgiveness does is it causes you to, to alignment to happen inside of you. And so when you see a picture of that person, all of a sudden your mind creates a memory that attaches to your soul and your emotions begin to fly. That's an alignment that's happening inside of you. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or so when you, you see a picture of them or, 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 or their name is mentioned, all of a sudden your mind and your memory, it, 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 it detaches to your emotions and you, you lash out and your actions begin to follow. There's an alignment that happens with unforgiveness. And the only way that we can break and dismantle that alignment is through forgiveness. Forgiveness is not something that's, that, that starts here and here. This forgiveness is something that starts here. It takes place from the heart. It's a choice that we're making. It's not a feeling. We don't ever feel like forgiving. You don't forgive because you feel like it. Well, I'm not ready to forgive. You're never gonna be ready to forgive. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Your mind and your memory, they're lining up with your soul and emotions. That is unforgiveness. You're, you're not going to forgive because you feel like it. Instead, what I have to do is I, ha I, have, to, I have to tell my heart, you know what? I, I'm, I, I am breaking this alignment. I, I'm, I'm, breaking. I'm not going to die all twisted up, all bitter, because the feelings aren't going to come. I've got to tell my heart. Jesus didn't feel like forgiving when he was hanging on the cross. He, he forgave because he was the right thing to do whether he felt like it or not so we're, we're choosing to forgive because we don't want to live imprisoned anymore because unforgiveness puts you in prison you're gonna have rage and anger and pain when you see a name or a face you're imprisoned by that unforgiveness it's got you all right but I want to tell you something God is not the you're not the one that brings justice God is you know, the cross is the most powerful picture of justice that we'll ever see. The picture of the cross, Romans 3, says that we've all sinned. How many know we've all sinned? We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. The Bible says that the, in Romans 3 that the wages of that sin is death. That's what we deserve. And so a lot of times it can feel like, look, I got to hold on to my unforgiveness because Jesus lets him off the hook so easy. You know what I mean? I'm, I gotta get I gotta get vengeance because they're gonna come and repent and Jesus is gonna forgive them. That's not fair. That's what we begin to think. But the cross is the evidence of God's justice. God doesn't look at our failures and think, oh, it's not that big of a deal. No, it's a big deal to God. Our sin and our failure, the wages of that sin is death. That's what the Bible says. So 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 to get justice, God sends his son Jesus. We, we talked about this last week. He becomes human. He comes to earth. He, he picks up his cross. He takes all of our sin, absorbs it, uh, absorbs it upon himself. He takes the full blow of the judgment of God. He takes the wrath, the brunt of the wrath of God for our sin. He died in our place. It's perfect justice. It's perfect justice. And when you forgive someone, even though what they did was horrible, you're not saying I'm gonna give you a pass for what you did. Some, some, some of us have experienced wrong in our life that was heinous, that was, that, was, that was terrible. It was abuse, it was unrighteous, it was unacceptable. But what, what, what forgiveness is, it's an amazing act of faith. Because what you're doing is you're saying, you know what, I'm not gonna execute the justice. I, I'm not gonna claim the vengeance. Lord, I hurt, I feel robbed, 
I feel abused, but Lord, I trust that you are a God of justice. And I trust that you will vindicate what's been wrong to me. I trust that vengeance belongs to you. I'm not gonna stay locked in this prison. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. Jesus hung on a cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. What was he doing? He was establishing a culture of forgiveness. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Second thing that, that I see is he, he, he established a culture of grace. When you look at Luke chapter 23, the Bible's describing the crucifixion that, that there's Jesus hanging on the cross and he's in the middle. He's, he's kind of sandwiched between two thieves. Guys that, 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 that had, had horrible pasts, that deserved to be there that day. And the Bible says that one of them was just screaming at him. The guy on the left was screaming in verse 39. He's screaming at Jesus, he says, if you're the son of God, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Just kind of yelling at Jesus in verse 40. The guy on the right rebuked the guy on the left and he's like, hey, don't you fear God? Look at it. Since you're under the same sentence, don't you? We deserve this. Like, like we're getting what our deeds deserves, but this man, he's done nothing wrong. Then the Bible says that he turns to Jesus, this guy, and he says, hey Jesus, will you remember me later on? You know, we're all gonna. Any chance you can remember me when you come into your kingdom? What's he doing in that moment? This man is asking for grace. He's asking for grace. And here's the thing that blows my mind, because a lot of times we just kind of read this and we expect Jesus because he's the son of God. We're not taking into account that he's, he's in pain, that he's being tormented. He's got the sins of the world on him. I mean, we're not taking any of that into consideration. We're just thinking, well, Jesus is always a nice guy. And so we expect Jesus to, to, to respond the way that he does. But what we're not gonna hear from Jesus is what we would have done in that moment. It would have been a lecture. Well. You know, I would like to remember you, but you didn't go to New Believers class, all right? You've never been baptized. Did you join an e-group? I told you about the e-group. Did you join the e-group? Did you get in a connect class? Did you, did, you even, did you even get on a team and serve? Did you do anything? Jesus knows in this moment, this guy can't do anything. It's impossible. He can't volunteer. He can't get baptized. He can't go on a mission trip. He, he's not gonna give any money. He, he can't do anything. He's never gonna be able to do anything. He's hanging on a cross and he's asking for grace. And what's amazing is Jesus turns his head and this is his grace, this is, this is the culture of grace. He says, today, he says, you will be with me in paradise. What an amazing statement. I mean, doesn't that just blow your mind? Come on, just think about it a little bit. Today, you're gonna be with me in paradise. I mean, amazing grace. But a lot of times we just look at that and it's just kind of surface. Just kind of like, we don't, we don't ever dig, but, 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 but think about it a little bit. Go beyond the surface a little bit. Jesus is on the cross, and what he's doing in that moment is the whole reason he came to earth in the first place. He's saving the whole world right now. Literally, the whole earth is in the balance. The whole world, you and I are hanging in the balance with Jesus on the cross. That's literally what's going on. And, and, and the Bible says in 1 John that the reason Jesus came was to destroy the devil's work. And that's what's taking place at this very moment. When this whole conversation is taking place, Jesus is destroying the works of the devil. He, he's the lamb of God that's slain. You know what I'm talking about? He's taking on the full judgment of God. It's coming on him and this is a big job. You could say it like this, Jesus is extremely busy right now. There's a lot going on in his mind right now. 
You know what I mean? Probably more than he can handle. And he's got this little voice over there. Some of you, some of you parents, you know what I'm talking about. You're really trying to get something done. You're working really hard. And your kids just say, hey, mom, dad. You know what I mean? And, they, and, and we get, leave me alone. I'm trying to do something. I'm concentrating. That's not what we hear from Jesus. In this moment, he's got the little voice kind of, kind of next to me. Excuse me, Jesus. You know, I know you're, you're, you're in the middle of, you know, some important stuff right now. You're trying to be the savior of the world. Like, I kind of understand that. And I know I can't help you with that. Like, I know there's nothing I can do to kind of help ease that burden for you at all. My hands are kind of tied right now, literally. At the moment, I'm, I'm kind of tied up, and I know that everything I've ever done hasn't been good. I know that the reason I'm here today is, is because I'm kind of a bad person, and I know this is pretty last minute. But any chance, you can let me into heaven today. Now, I totally would understand if Jesus would have flipped out right here. Are you kidding me? Are you, dude, don't you, can't you tell I'm a little busy right now? My hands aren't tied up right now. They're actually nailed up right now. I'm, I'm trying to save the world. You're asking for a little grace. Are you kidding me? I, I have, I've been, I've been, I preached you on the mountaintop. You didn't pay, you didn't even pay attention. You stole more, you stole. The reason we only had five loaves is because you took the sixth. You know, th th this is what's going on. It could have been very easy for Jesus to say, I'm, I, I don't have time for you. I can't be bothered. But Jesus, in the midst of his pain, come on, in the, in the middle of this crucifixion, he's dying on the cross, he establishes for us a culture of grace. He has enough grace to, to forgive this guy. If Jesus could forgive that guy in the middle of, of his pain, in the middle of, his, of, of a busy moment, trying to save the world, how much more should we, in the middle of our trials, in the middle of our challenges, continue to dispense grace everywhere we go? Are you with me today? It never ceases to amaze me how many people will, will say, you know, you don't understand what I'm going through. How many have ever said that? You just, you just don't understand. You're asking me to serve? Are you kidding? Like, I'm so busy right now. I've got a job. I've got kids. I've got a lot of things, priorities. I can't serve right now. How many have said things like that? No, I can't, I can't do it. It's impossible. No way. Don't you know what I'm going through? Can I tell you something? Don't wait until your life is perfect and everything's in order before you start serving. You'll discover as you start serving in the middle of your pain, guess what will happen? Healing will begin to start flowing into your life. People will say, oh, I don't have time to, to join an e-group. I don't have time to serve on a team. I'm challenging you today in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your trial, when things aren't going well. I'm saying, get engaged and start serving now. Can you minister to others while you're hurting? That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. It's one of the most powerful things that you can do in your life is to be in the middle of a trial, in the middle of a hardship, and still continue to serve. It's not easy to do, but it's one of the most powerful things that you can do. Jesus is being crucified. A crown of thorns is on his head. His back has been laid open. There's nails in his hands and his feet, and he's still creating culture. A culture of grace that says, and, and forgiveness. And he says, he says, I'm gonna, in my pain, I'm gonna continue to extend grace. I'm gonna continue to minister to you. Can you do that? Can you continue to minister even when you're hurting? Can you continue to minister to others when someone else has wronged you and offended you? Can you minister to others when you're going through the darkest 
of trials. I'm gonna tell you something, you'll see, you'll see a picture of this all throughout the Bible. It's the culture of Jesus. Look at Joseph. Joseph's betrayed by his brothers, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery. As a slave, he's serving in Potiphar's house. He gets accused of doing something, he's, he's falsely accused of rape. He's thrown into a prison. In prison, he serves the prison keeper. Later on, Pharaoh would, would throw the butler and the baker in there, and, and we know that Joseph would serve them as well. <laughs> he served, well, just think, what would happen if, if Joseph said, you know what, I'm not serving. Are you kidding me? All I had was a dream. I mean, God gave me a dream. I didn't do anything, God, I didn't do anything wrong. Like, you're the one that gave me the dream when I'm 17, and now here I am, I'm sitting in a cell with rats and lice and a bunch of jerks all around me. I've abandoned, I've been abandoned by you, God, and now you expect me to serve them? How, how, is, how, how is this fair? How, how, how is that possible? And don't you know the pain I'm in, God? Why would you ask me to do that? But despite the pain, right, despite the injustices, Joseph ministers and he extends grace. And here's the crazy part. It's because he ministers in his pain and through his pain. It's that for that reason that he's delivered from his pain. I'm gonna challenge you today. If you're hurting inside and you've got, you've got issues and, and you're tormented, I'm challenging you to serve others, minister to others, and you'll see God will do a miracle. Bible says in 2 Corinthians that my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Come on, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a culture of grace. You see it in the life of Job. Has anybody ever read Job? Man, what a, what a rough book. Bible talks about Job's three, and I'm gonna call them like this, friends. He's got three buddies, three, three friends. And the fact that Job doesn't go back crazy on these guys is, is beyond me. I mean, he's a better man than I am, but, but Job has just lost his business, he's lost his cattle, He's lost, he lost all of his livestock, he's lost his property. I mean, he's, he, was, he was wealthy and now he's broke. Bummer, right? The Bible says that, that, that all of his family, they're having a birthday party, they're all up in the house. All of a sudden a storm comes up, the house just collapses on all of his children. Every one of them die, all 10 of them gone in, in an instant. Imagine Job out there, he's gotta dig graves for all 10 of his kids. Imagine the, his wife is there weeping, they're grieving, they're devastated, they're, they're in pain. Literally everything they have is gone. And then his friends show up. And his friends are like, Job, honestly, never seen anyone have it this bad before. It's gotta be your sin. The reason this is all happening, it's something you did. And you can picture Job, and if you read it, he's, he, Job's like, guys, there's no way. Like, like I, I mean, we're all sinners, we've all messed up, but come on, this isn't the judgment of God, because I see wicked people all around me. And, 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 and they live to their old age and they're, they're blessed and they've got grandkids that have grown up and, and, and this, this can't be the, the this, that, that's not true. There's no way that this is the judgment of God and, and his friends keep coming back to him. It has to be, it has to be something you did. The reason this has happened to you is because of sin in your life. And we know the truth. This didn't happen because of his sin. It actually took place because of his righteousness. He was actually righteous before God, and that's why this happened. It happened because Satan is a schmuck. That's why it happened. But the Bible tells us, this is what I want you to grab a hold of, but the Bible tells us, and you read the story, is that God asked Job, in his pain, to pray for his friends. 
God comes to Job, this is crazy, in the middle of all this, he's got nothing. Everything's been taken from him, and God says, I want you to pray for your friends. Now, if I'm Job, I'm like, seriously? Pray? I'll pray for him. You better believe I'll pray for him. You just won't like what I will pray for when I pray for them, right? But look what the Bible says in Job 42. The Bible says that after Job had prayed for his friends, in the middle of Jesus cried out in a loud voice, and I'm just gonna do it in English. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, I want you to notice something. Just one chapter earlier, in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says this. He says, don't you think I can, I can call on my, on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. And so just one chapter earlier, Jesus is kind of bragging like, I got some power, guys. Like, I, 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 have, the, I have the ability, just, 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 all I have to do is say the word and 12 legions of angels will come to my rescue at any given moment. The Roman army has nothing on legions of angels. I've got that kind of cred in heaven. I've got that kind of access. He's kind of blown away. I think he's bragging a little bit there, all right? But then one chapter later, he's on the cross. He's, he's on the cross, and for the first time in his life, for the first time in eternity, now he feels disconnected from God. Because what's happened is, is God's placed all the sins of humanity, he's placed them onto Jesus, and because Jesus had to become sin. And so in the moment that Jesus became sin, the Bible says that God had to turn his back on Jesus. So for the very first time, he, he was alone. For the very first time, he was disconnected from God. And this is really, really important. It was important that God the Father did that. He, he turned his back on Jesus so he wouldn't have to turn his back on us. All right, it's, it's important stuff. So, so if we would have had to stand before God with our sin, God would have had to reject us. And so Jesus was rejected so that we could be accepted. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? Jesus was there, and in this moment that we're talking about, he felt abandonment. He was abandoned but so that we could be welcomed in. This, this is what was going on there. And so there's Jesus, and he's hanging on the cross. The one person that he needs at this moment is God. The one person that can help him get through this, this is the biggest trial of his life. The one relationship he needs to bring him through the crucifixion is his father. But yet on the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The powerful thing is he stays on the cross. We know he doesn't have to. Just one chapter earlier, he said, look, I, I just say the word. 12 legions of angels come and rescue me at any given moment. The powerful thing is he hangs in there. He does not call. He doesn't play the trump card. He hangs in there, literally hangs in there. You know what faith is? Faith is living with why. See, the question Jesus asked was, my God, my God, why? Why do I have to go through this? I don't understand why, but I'm gonna stay. I don't understand why I'm going through this, but I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay on mission. I don't understand why, but I'm gonna to continue to serve. I don't understand why I'm gonna to continue to worship. I don't understand why, but I'm still gonna to continue to give my tithe. I, I, don't, I don't understand why this is happening to me, but I'm gonna stay. 
There's gonna be times in every one of our lives, and I've gone through them, every, every one of us will. There's gonna be times when we're not gonna know why. Some of you are in that place right now. You just don't get it. I don't understand why this is happening in my life. And there's gonna be times like that. We're in the moment. It doesn't make sense. It's not, it's not fair why this is happening. I don't understand why. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that, that now I, I kind of get it. I understand in part. Someday I'm gonna really get it. I'm gonna understand in full. But there's gonna be times in our lives where it just doesn't make sense. Are you with me? It just doesn't make sense. And at that particular moment, on the cross, Jesus has a why. He's presenting a legitimate why, God. Why is this happening? But the, but the powerful thing is, is he carried it through. And he pressed on. Faith is living with a why. In the story of Job, it was, there, it was the same thing. Job didn't understand why this stuff was happening to him. I mean, everything was going great. Everything was going fine. But then he lost his business. He lost his property. He lost his family. Literally everything. He lost his health. Somewhere in that whole process, his wife comes to him. And she's upset. I mean, they've just got them burying all their children. I mean, I mean Job is weeping. He's grieving. He's, he's asking why. None of this makes sense. It's terrible situation and and his wife she's now she's just pissed like she's just in distress she's angry and i think all husbands know every husband knows that there's there's times like that your 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 wife's mad and she's not really mad at you but like you're gonna have to put on your man pants and take a beating anyways you know what i'm talking about that's what's happening right there so job doesn't react he just kind of he just kind of pulls his, his man pants, puts them on, and just takes it from her. And she says this in Job 2. She says, she says, how are you maintaining your integrity? This isn't fair. This is ridiculous. Why don't you just curse this obstacle? Took him out. Samuel had anointed him to be king, and David kills Goliath. He just removes the, Israel's biggest obstacle, and then he ends up on the run for his life for 13 years. He's being hunted by like, like, a, like an, a wild animal. They're all around him. There's, the, the, the Bible describes there was nights where he's freezing in the wilderness. He's in the middle of a cave. He's full of distress. He's all alone. He can't even light a fire to warm himself because if he lights the fire, Saul's troops are going to see where he is. There's times when, when he said, I can't even breathe because they'll hear me. You don't think there was times when he was like, God, are you kidding me? What have I done? Why am I going through this? But he says this, I would have lost heart unless I had believed. What was he saying? I had to have faith. I would have lost heart, but I had faith that I would see the goodness of the Lord. This is what I'm going through. I don't understand why, but I don't understand why, but I know who. This is what David's saying. I don't understand why this is happening, but I know who I serve. I believe that God is good. And one day, he's going to make sense of why, what I'm going through. One day, I'm going to get to the point where I can look back and say, oh, man, I get it. Lord, I see why that was happening to me. But in the pain, why I, while I'm asking the question why, I'm not going to stop believing. This is what he's saying. In the pain, I'm not going to stop serving. In the pain, I'm not going to pull back from my devotion to Christ. In the pain, I'm not going to pull back from my affection. I'm going to live with faith, even when I'm asking why.
even when I'm asked, can you do that? Faith is living with a why. You know, the last words of Jesus, so powerful how Jesus died. It was so powerful that a Roman centurion says, surely this must have been the son of God. And I think a lot of what Jesus said in those moments, give us the reason why. Because, because in that moment, he was establishing culture. He was establishing a culture of forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They're not asking for it. They don't deserve it, but I'm gonna forgive anyways. I'm not gonna be imprisoned by offenses that happen. I'm gonna forgive before they ask. My heart is gonna forgive. I'm not gonna live in a prison of unforgiveness. Some of you are here this morning, and the culture that Jesus wants in your life is a culture of forgiveness. It's being able to say, you know what? They did me wrong. They hurt me. They abused me. It wasn't right. It was heinous, but I can't be imprisoned by what they did any longer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dismantle the alignment that started with, a, with an act that became part of my, that went into my mind, it became a memory, and now that memory connects to my soul, and now emotions flare out. It's all unforgiveness, that align, I'm breaking that alignment. I'm making a decision, they don't deserve it, they're not asking for it, but I'm making a decision right now to forgive all over this place. Come on, close your eyes, all over this place. If you're in this place this morning, the reason God established a culture of, for, un, of forgiveness is because he knew that unforgiveness would destroy your life, it would destroy your relationships, and some of you in this place today, you put on a good face, but deep inside your heart, you're living with unforgiveness. It's time to break its power over your life. It's time to get free from it this morning, and that's you. Just all of this place, just say, it's me. I need, I, need to, I need to forgive, I need to forgive, I need to forgive. Come on, put your hands up all over this room. I see that hand. Come on, anybody else right there, I see that hand. And right there, and right there, and over here, and over there, and back in the corner over here. Come on, that's you, just, just lift it up. Anyone else, you can put those hands down. Is there anyone else? You see, that's me, right there, right there. I, I see that hand. God wants to break the power of unforgiveness over your life this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me pray for you right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you today. The culture that you established, Lord, the way you chose for us to live, Lord, the culture that you want us to live in is a culture of forgiveness. And Lord, we live in a world that's jacked up and messed up. It's full of unrighteousness. It's full of abuse. It's full of heartache. It's full of offense. And Lord, we understand that, Lord, but we're not gonna allow those things to keep us in bondage, imprisoned. Lord, we're not gonna allow those things, those memories to connect to our emotions and to work themselves out in our lives in Jesus name with our hearts this morning they don't deserve it they're not asking for it but I'm forgiving come on say it right now I'm forgive them in the name of Jesus I'm breaking the power of what they did over my life I'm breaking the power even now in Jesus name in Jesus name thank you Lord thank you Lord Lord I am free by the power of Jesus just say that right now I am free I am free I am free I no longer am gonna hold unforgiveness in my life I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat the words of Jesus father forgive them I had no idea what they were doing in Jesus name Jesus name the, the culture of grace Jesus looked at a man that had no ability to serve, had no ability to help participate, had no, 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 no way that he could, he, could, he could do anything. Here's Jesus in the middle of his pain, in the busiest day of his life. He, he extends incredible grace. He said, today, 
today. He served this man in his pain. Think about it. He served him, right? He ministered to him right there in his pain. He said, today, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to extend grace today. Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. And some of you need to do the same right now. Right now, you're not experiencing the healing that God wants to bring because you're unable to serve. You're unable to participate. And you say, you know, that's me, that's me. I wanna, I wanna live in a culture of grace. I want my life to emanate ministry and service and love and grace to everyone I come in contact with. If that's you, say, that's me. I know God's, God's talking to me right now about being a person that has a culture of grace. If that's you, lift your hand up all over this room, all over, lots of hands, lots of hands all over, all over this place. Come on, come on, lift them up high. Lift them up high, right there, right there, all the way in the back, yeah. Yeah, thank you, Lord, right now, Jesus name. Lord, can we learn from what you did? Can we learn right in the middle of hardship, in the middle of busyness, in the middle of, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. In the middle of that, you chose to serve. You chose to extend a hand. God, we thank you for that example. Lord, help us to be people of grace. Help us to minister through the pain. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name. The last thing he did that we talked about this morning is he, he established a culture of grace he said on the cross, he said, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why am I going through this without you? Why? Faith is living with why. And some of you, there's, there's things that have happened in your life. There's things you're going through right now that don't make sense. Praise you, Lord. God, we worship you, Jesus. Come on, lift your voice, lift your hands, love on the Lord for a moment. God, we thank you, God. You're a good God. Oh, we place our confidence in you. We place our faith in you. excuse me, at Elevate Ministries, it's gonna happen once in a while. At Elevate Ministries is we receive a missions offering every month. Last Sunday was Easter, so we didn't do it on, on Easter Sunday. So we're, we're the second month in, uh, second week in. And so today's Mission Sunday uh, for the month of April. And I do wanna tell you, it's exciting what's happening all over the world. Your giving is making a difference. 
making a difference. You know, in Ghana, I want to talk, we'll share a little about Ghana. Pastor Carl talked last month about a church that we're trying to get going there. We're building a church in, in the city of Pobiman. I've never been to this village, but they're gonna put some pictures up. This is, this is your, 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 your mission dollars at work. We've started to lay the foundation of, of that building right there in the middle of that community. And do you know, as soon as we started working on that, the cement mixer broke down. And uh, so the pastor called us this month. He's like, hey, the mixer broke. <laughs> and so we sent some extra money so he could get another one. Uh, and they've continued to, to put that foundation. The government came in and stopped them and said, you have to have a five foot fence around the perimeter of the property. And so we've started to, you can see we've started to kind of build that five foot fence around the property. But that building is coming along. They're hoping to have that superstructure down, put a tent up and start having church right away. And uh, you'll see that some of, the, some of the, the, the people from the church are already working together to build that place. It's just an amazing, amazing thing. That's what your, that's what missions, your missions dollars is doing literally establishing ministries all over the world. And, and so this morning, we're gonna give to missions. I encourage you, you can do that. You can be a part of that. And you can, it's very easy to do. You can give, there's envelopes under the chairs. There's also, you can give electronically. I went through that earlier, text easy, one, two, three. Just choose the missions uh, on, the, on the pull down menu, choose the missions option. And every dollar that we give, uh, towards missions. It doesn't do anything here in Orange, Orange County or locally. It goes to missions to build the work of God. I'm so grateful to be a part of something that's big, that's happening all over the world. It's great to be a part of a church like that. Amen. Amen. I want to introduce this is Mark and Mark's going to be down here. Our prayer team is going to be down here. And I know that many of you were raising your hands saying, man, I need, I need, I need to work on, on, on unforgiveness. My heart is unforgiveness. I want to challenge you today. We're going to have people down here that, that are willing to pray with you, to, to kind of pray with you through that. You say, I just need some prayer right now. If you're dealing with maybe unforgiveness or, or maybe a lack of faith and you're, you have a why in your life and you say, man, I just don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. We want to pray with you. We don't, we don't want you just to walk out of this place. We'd love to pray with you and encourage you. Uh, if, you're, if you're living in, this, in, in here and you're, you're saying, man, I want to work on this. I'm being a person of grace and establishing that culture in my life. Listen, listen we want to pray with you. We want to be people of grace. There should be something about us when people see us. There should be grace that comes out of us. This is a culture. And so I'm just, even now, we have the, I'm going to have this team come. The worship team is going to sing. We're going to sing, we're going to sing a song, and, and uh, we're going to worship the Lord. If you would like prayer, uh, you're, you're welcome to come down. We'd love to pray with you. I'm going to be down here as well uh, just to pray with people this morning. Lord, we thank you today. God, we thank you, Jesus, for, for, for who you are, what you've done. Thank you, Lord, for this, this church, Lord, our ability to come together and worship you. God, we love you so much. You're such a good God, Lord. You're so worthy. Lord, thank you, God, for what you did, for hanging in there on the cross. Lord, for, for, for loving us, God. In Jesus' name we pray this morning. Come on, sing, I want you more. More, more, more. If you like prayer, you can come on down. More, We're going to worship the Lord more, one more time.